Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 106 in Edmonton, hour number two of a jam-packed edition of Oilers Now. If you missed the first hour, uh, Ken Holland, Edmonton Oilers, president of hockey operations and general manager, as well as Brian Lawton, the former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, the man that started Octagon's player agency, and now with the NHL Network. In this hour, David Staples' cult of hockey and provincial affairs columnist for the Edmonton Journal, and then John Shannon, our NHL insider. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Hugh Porter and the staff at Digitex want to wish you a happy holidays. Of course, you can uh, text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. We'll tell you that uh, guests on the show receive gift certificates to Don. We got to hook up. Uh, gift certificates to Japanese Village yeah, they can set you up at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cook right before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. I remember Don came through for the guys from Bakersfield when they were in town at, during training camp. It was an awesome night. All right, uh, without further ado, just before we bring in David Staples, I want to read this text from Randy in Brooks, Alberta. Bob, the Staples segment is good stuff. I know detract. I know there's some detractors, but that's more a COVID viewpoint related than hockey. So we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, River Cree Resort Casino, excitement, bet on it. David, how you doing? Good, Bob. Really good. Great day for hockey. I was already out skating, and I'm coaching a game tonight, so big day. All right, look, uh, just very quickly, we'll get to the hockey stuff. Great day for hockey. Uh, is, is the Wall Street Journal, is that considered a fairly reputable source? It is one of the most reputable sources in the United States. I mean, it's got a right wing, right of center, uh, kind of like the Globe and Mail used to be okay. in Canada. Uh, it's very, it's 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 a national newspaper of, of of renown in the United States. All right. Last night, a piece moved how Fauci and Collins shut down COVID debate. Uh, this was in relation to an effort to trash what was the Great Barrington Declaration. Very quickly, give us so. Here for the, we'll get to the hockey stuff in about a minute, but give us the, what was the Great Barrington Declaration, and why is this significant that the Wall Street Journal? I mean, that's to me that's it's not like you know how some people look down upon the Rebel as an example, yeah. uh, and Ezra Levant. We're not the Wall Street Journal is not. Uh, no disrespect to anybody that's involved with the Rebel, but it's 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 it's, it's on a different plane, is it not? It is, and the Great Barrington Declaration came out um, about 14 months ago, early, fairly early in the pandemic, and it's and it represents a train of thought that was actually the consensus view of how to deal with pandemics before COVID, and that is you don't lock everything down. You you uh, the, the, you engage in focus protection, so there's people who are very vulnerable from um, infections, especially during a pandemic, older people, people in poor health. And the, what they suggested is, let's protect those people, do everything we can to protect those people, and everyone else, life continues on as normal. And the only country in the Western world that did that pretty much was Sweden. And Bob, right now, Sweden's cases have dropped 
um, since February, steady drop, and it's been flat, the deaths uh, from COVID at a very low rate in Sweden since June. They've had no third, fourth, or fifth wave. Sweden looks like it's it's the closest country in the Western world to being on the other side of COVID. So this was the idea that they put forward. It, it was a scientist from Stanford, Oxford University, and Harvard, uh, epidemiologists, very prominent people. And what happened, what the Wall Street Journal is writing about is uh, Dr. Fauci in the United States, who had, you know, he's their Dr. Hinshaw for the whole country, their Dr. Tam. He set out to attack the credibility and ideas, but mainly just a slur campaign against the people who started the Great Barrington Declaration. And the Wall Street Journal is saying, you know, with with working with media, they tried to shut down that argument, uh, shut down those people who are making that argument rather than engage in a thorough debate um, about what was the best course for North America at that time. All right. Let's uh, move on to the hockey stuff. Interesting. I I just came across that yesterday and I was kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Uh, Again, uh, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063. We just had Ken Holland on the show. Uh, he gave us some uh, a bit of an update of where we're at. Uh, not sure whether or not there might be some relief on the cap front for players that go into COVID protocol. And then we talked about uh, potential assets in uh, the organization. And uh, one thing that's occurred here, David, and Pete Torelli has to get a little bit of credit for it because he was the guy that ended up putting Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson in Bakersfield. But would you concede that the orders are maybe at a different place right now prospect-wise than they've been in the past? Well, well definitely. And it's interesting, Bob, because the GM keeps giving you credit. Holland keeps mentioning that you pointed out to him um, that the Oilers' cupboard isn't bare, that there's lots of prospects on this team. And what we saw in the Shirelli draft years, which were headed up by Bob Green and uh, Keith Gretzky, when you look at those four drafts, there's three to four players um, on in every draft who are either NHL quality or are heading in that direction, which is pretty remarkable. If you can get two NHL players out of a draft, you're doing really well. So to get three or four, um, Bob Green and Keith Gretzky deserve a huge amount of credit. Um, let's just quickly go through the list. So in 2015, um, obviously Connor McDavid, which was easy, but Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, John Reno. Next year we have Pulley Arvey, Tyler Benson, Marcus Niemelainen, and, and Philip Berglund. Next year, Yamamoto, Stuart Skinner, Dmitry Samarukov. The year after that, Evan Bouchard, Ryan McLeod, and Michael Kesselring. That is fantastic drafting, and it's something we hadn't seen at Edmonton in a long, long time. It's the kind of thing that sets a team up to win championships and maintain excellence over time because you can't keep everybody. They're going to move on because you can't afford them, but you can plug in cheaper players. Yeah, well, uh, absolutely. Um you know, it's just, it's a reality in a cap system. you got to have players on cost-controlled contracts. We're joined right now by David Staples uh, from the Cult of Hockey. Yeah, it was, it was interesting because when Ken took the job, we finished that day. It was, I, I don't know, first week of May, I think, in 2019. And we did the interview, and we threw it to the news. And I looked right at him and said, I think there's more here than people. Usually what happens is when guys come from other organizations, there has to be a reason why they're coming in a lot organization. And people tend to always, just like orders, some people might say, Stoffer, you overrate the Oilers prospects. They very well could be right on that. But what I was saying is it wasn't as dire as some people. And you know what? That was without even factoring in Pulley Army. 
right, in yeah. 2019, because I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Paul Yarby. And I'm pretty excited. I mean, yes, a Paul Yarby is, has almost like, David, a cult figure in this marketplace. He might be the most popular Oilers player. I'm serious. We have a David Adrysaddle on the team, and Paul Yarby might be the most popular guy. That bison thing. It's crazy. Kind of put him over the top. Like, you know, the old nickname pool party was, I, uh, well, honestly, I felt it kind of was hideous. All due respect to the people who thought up that nickname. And I don't think Paul Yarvey liked it either. But this Bison King thing is fantastic. And he is, man, a player that big. Um, that hardworking and with ever-growing offensive confidence and offensive skill. You know, I remember um, as he was coming around last year, you started to compare him a bit to Blake Wheeler, Bob, and I think that's a really interesting comp because we know that these big forwards often take a little bit longer to develop, and Blake Wheeler was in the same boat. And you just, all of a sudden, they hit 24, 25, 26, 27, and... Their games can take They're dominant. I mean, Wheeler's had 90-point seasons twice yeah. in the NHL. David, all right, let's circle back to the pro- – because uh, Jacob Chikrin, and I know I, I, I fired a tweet out the other night, and all hell broke loose, and I had guys calling me idiots, and it's it's bad enough that I hear that at my own household once in a while. But uh, come on, you guys on Twitter too. <laughs> but with all seriousness, what are your thoughts on trading Broberg as an example for Jacob Chikrin? You know, I don't – you know, I, so I've seen Jacob Chikram play um, recently, uh, playing the Oilers, but I don't really know his game inside out. Um, you know, I could, you can go go by the numbers. He looks like a really promising D-man. We know from NHL history that you'll often see really good D-man get traded when they're 23, 24, because, you know, for various reasons, maybe they've had a bit of a lull in their career, and it, and they get traded, and then they just blossom uh, in another city. So Chicken could be in that boat. But Philip Broberg is a really strong prospect. I know that there's some people who wish the orders had drafted one or two other hotshot American forwards there. Maybe they're right. Maybe that would have been a better pick. But I don't think the Oilers made a bad pick at all. I think they made a good pick in, in Broberg. He, um, last year in Sweden, Bob, at this at this time of year before he got hurt, uh, just heading into the World Junior Tournament, he was he had some absolutely excellent games. And what we what we didn't see in Edmonton um, in his short stint here was his capacity to rush the puck very much. We saw his incredible skating, his his size, yeah. his skating. He was injured. But at the World Junior Tournament, yeah. but even in, I'm just saying in Edmonton this year during his stint with the Oilers, he, he was playing a pretty conservative game, um, a very contained game with the Oilers when he got up here, I thought. But in Sweden last year, every second game, he would try to dominate rushing the puck. That guy has that in his in his toolkit. He can really, really skate with the puck. And we'll see that as he progresses. So, is who's going to be the greater player in their career, Philip Broberg or Chikrin? I think that's an open question. And I also think when you're looking at that, we already talked about the salary cap replacing players. You're going to need cheaper replacements. Chikrin earns a, a good amount of money. He, uh, it's more than $5 million a year, I believe. And the owners really can't. I don't see them with Duncan Keith. You know, he's here this year, next year. They can't afford Chikrin. They're, but they can afford to pay Philip Broberg in a couple of years when Duncan Keith's out of the picture yep. for not earning that amount of money. So it makes sense in terms of if you're looking at the long-term future of this team, kind of succession planning on defense, you have to stick with prospects. You do, I, I, you know, so people are saying, well, the, the window's now. We've got to win right now with Chikrin. We've got to get this. And, and that's a very 
tempting argument. I'm not saying people making that argument are wrong. I think it's a real fair comment. I really believe in Philip Broberg, though. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, he's been given an offensive role in Bakersfield. He did not have that when he came up here. His best game for me was against Vegas, the best hard forechecking team in the Western Conference, and he played that game with CeCe. Then CeCe got knocked out, and then he's the one that got moved to the right side. You know, and I was like, you know, I, 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 and then the minutes got cut. Suddenly he went from 23 minutes to 13 minutes a game. Speaking of Cody CeCe, and I know he's had a couple uh, games where he's been on for some goals against, even though the Oilers one has he been a surprise for you david Uh, the biggest surprise because i i I don't watch a lot of the other teams i'm not you know and i certainly don't put in the work studying videotape of the other teams that i do with the oilers so i didn't really know what to expect from cc and bob the verbal out of toronto and ottawa and cody cc was so bad i mean there was just people who were ripping him left right and center but the interesting thing is if you dig into what the people in pittsburgh were saying last year about cc and read the commentary you know like his report cards were like b plus a minus there was really positive uh vibes out of pittsburgh about cody cc and that's what i've seen in edmonton i've seen a really solid two-way defenseman who can survive in the top four um both moving the puck and defending in his own zone he uh, i didn't know what to expect so the fact that he's playing as well as he is and looks like he's at least going to be meeting his contract like it's 3.25 i think for uh, four years um a million a year he's at least going to pay off on that and he could turn out to be a significant bargain with the way he's playing right now like to find a right shot d-man who can survive in the top four replace adam larson that was it that's been a that's been fantastic to watch we're joined by David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. David, uh, Ken Holland, you know, there's no guarantee that when we get back here, if Edmonton does indeed play on in the 27th, partially because of cap situation, but also because he's been out for so long, you know, we, we might not see Mike Smith for the first couple games. Uh, Mike Smith, Duncan Keith, 139, 138. Uh, Keith, for me, had some good moments. He's in COVID protocol. What's your take on those two players? Well, kind of the biggest disappointments in some ways. And I'm not saying that Duncan Keith has been terrible. I I really have liked Duncan Keith with the puck on his stick. I think he's a very smart hockey player, makes good passes. Defensively, though... um it's been iffy. You know, there's been some rough moments, and he's he's been a cut below, you know, the the top defenders on the team, and and, and including, and I, and I would include in the last month, Tyson Berry in that category. Berry's really picked it up. You know, so Darnell Nurse, CC Berry, Duncan Keith struggled now and then on defense. You know, keeping up, making the plays, and I just wonder. I have a little few questions about his skating. I think as a third pairing D-man, definitely he he gets by. I'm just, you know, we'll know more at the end of the year. Obviously, he was brought in for the play off run and to be a leader in that moment and we see veteran defensemen come to the fore in the playoffs and we may see that with Duncan Keith so but he's definitely in the iffy slash disappointing category so far as for Mike Smith I mean man he was just so fantastic last year but we all had in the back of our minds 39 year old goalie injury history when he's been injured in the last years he's been bad and so I mean, I remember when he went out day to day, and I just said, "This is the biggest nightmare for Oilers fans." People said, "Oh, you're overreacting because like it's just day to day." And I'm thinking, "Oh, well, we'll we'll see about that because if he's playing hurt, he's not going to be good either." And it is stretched on and on, and it, it's getting it's they have to know where Mike Smith is before the trade deadline. 
they got to know, is he the Mike Smith of last year? Is he going to be able to, to do that again? Can he pull off that minor miracle? Or do they have to make their, you know, I think they've got maybe one, maybe two big trades in them. they got the first-round pick, obviously. They might have a top prospect they could move. But who are they going to go after? Is it going to be a forward or is it going to be a goalie with their top priority? And until Smith comes back and plays a, a good chunk of games, we won't know that. And it's dragging on, Bob. Are we going to even uh, – will we even have that knowledge? I guess if we don't have the knowledge, if he doesn't come then back, we have our answer. trading for a goalie. Then we, we have our have answer. An answer. Yeah. yeah. David, great stuff. Uh, one final one for you. How important has Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson become to this organization? Just absolutely critical. You could always tell um, Jay Woodcroft was a really smart guy. You know, every time you hear him talk about hockey, from a hockey family, hockey background, he just is, and he he strikes me, Bob, as a teacher. He's someone who studies the game, very analytical, but also, you know, forceful and positive in the way that the best teachers are. And um, you can see the way these players are developing, the way the teams develop in Bakersfield, that both he and Manson, you know, the work that Manson does with these defensemen, they're getting every defenseman that goes there gets better, gets significantly better. This is really a great thing for the Oilers. I, you know, Todd Nelson was a very, very good coach. Maybe relied on the veterans a little bit more than uh, Woodcroft and Manson are doing. So, I think Nelson did very well with the players that he had. But these two, there's just no doubt about it. Every player that they touch gets better. And uh, that's their job. They're doing it. Great stuff, David. Happy holidays. You too, Bob. Merry Christmas. There you go. That's David Staples, Provincial Affairs columnist and cult of hockey writer at the Edmonton Journal. It's 123 in Edmonton. We'll come back with a couple of your texts when we return on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 126 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. You already know that cars cost less than Wetaskiwin, but did you know that Brent Ridge Ford and Wetaskiwin are 10 times present award winners for customer satisfaction? They treat people fairly. They have fully transparent negotiations. They make sure advertised prices include all the accessories, fees, and taxes with the exception of GST. These attributes are important to you. Phone our friends Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford at 1-877-477-3673. And they just sent me a note right now to pass along a happy holidays to everybody who's listening on Oilers Now. Of course, yesterday, Chris Jones was named the general manager head coach of the Edmonton Elks football team. And I think given the context of... uh, some of the salary limitations that maybe the Elks were dealing with because of... uh, the bizarre setup they have for a cap on management and coaching uh, made a lot of sense because Jones can do both roles. Um, There there are people that have texted and tweeted at me saying, Bob, why didn't Ed Hervey get an interview? I don't have that answer for you. I was not on the selection committee. Uh, I would have interviewed Ed Hervey for the position as well. But there's a big advantage that Jones would have had over Hervey. He's been coach, and he's a really good coach. And so I'm looking forward to see what Chris Jones could do, and we'll wait and see what happens on the uh, president's side as well. And Jones has something to prove. And the thing he's got to prove is that he can stay in one place for uh, you know more than a couple of years. He signed a four-year deal. As for the Oilers, we had Ken Holland on the show in the opening hour uh, the, right now. Looks like the team will be practicing, uh, testing and practicing on the 26th at the University of Alberta with the uh, World Junior Tournament taking place, getting started uh, when the puck drops. Um, 
on Boxing Day. Hockey Howie has texted the show to say, Bob, how about trading Darnell Nurse and his $9 million contract to Arizona for Jacob Chickren and a first-round pick? What? Um... Well, Nurse's contract doesn't kick into next year. He's actually at five points. I think there's a million-dollar difference this year between the two guys. Uh, that's Darnell Nurse is a big part of the Oilers' leadership core. I, I don't see that happening. Again, uh, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Adam says, Bob, Duncan Keith has been excellent for us this year. Not sure what fans are yapping about all the time. Well, people are entitled to their opinions. Not everybody sees things the same way. That's just kind of how it works once in a while. It comes with the territory. Um, and in fairness to Duncan Keith, he's dealt with an upper body issue and now COVID, uh, which uh, is uh, an ongoing saga that we'll continue to monitor. When we come back, John Shannon will join us for Legacy Heating and Cooling. One of the topics we're going to talk about we've not brought up on today's show yet the building situation down in Calgary. And things uh, suddenly have... Uh, Well, they've gotten derailed a little bit, but not before we go to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.